Yeah, God. so I need you to drop me another <laughs> that, beat. That shall not be missed. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. We can make a brand new one right here, right now. Uh, you, you are, are no. no. Oh, I, I need some water. water. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go get it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to drink some water. water. Think of, Think of your beak. What? I don't, I don't have a beak, man. Um, I don't have one. I literally can't be box, man. That's, that's, why, that's, why, that's why it's unique. unique. Ah, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, okay. I'll give it a try then. Like like I can act into the octave this morning. Uh, uh. <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe what's messing me up uh, is I'm listening, listening to myself, myself and there's a slight, slight delay. delay. Like, like by a millisecond. Let's do this! It's the way we jump! That wasn't so bad. That wasn't so bad. <laughs> like, that was pretty good. I'm proud of us. Yeah, that was not as half bad as I thought it would have turned out. Yeah, see? Yeah. All you gotta do is, like, put some effort in. Try okay. something new. You'll surprise yourself every single day. And that's Vanguard, you know? <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 8 of the Weekly Chomp. This is post-BRO for D-Standard, the last BRO tournament of, uh, well, the season. And until we resume back into physical card games coming up in Spring Festival. It was an exciting weekend for many. Uh, boring for those who do not participate. And uh, pretty sad for people who bet a lot on uh, Bruce. Or bet a lot on Bastion. Only to get upsurped by a budget-ass deck. And, you know, I love it. I was like, <laughs> I, I had, like, made a joke that mm -hmm. Barrow Magnus would win just because, one, all they have to do is just clap them. Like, you can't stop a Barrow Magnus from getting to 15 soul. Only thing that can stop a Barrow Magnus player from getting to 15 soul is themselves. And it's called playing <laughs> themselves. So, like... I wasn't surprised, but I was like, uh, oh my, when I saw Moderately it. Moderately pleased. Yeah, I was like, go ahead. All the Zorka decks that I saw, they had about the record that I anticipated, five and three, five and two, uh, six and two. Uh, mm -hmm. Zorka's all it right, well. but it, yeah, it did, it did well. It's not a top 16 deck. I don't feel like it. That's why I was like firm believer that my Zorka deck was gaslighting me. Yeah. So you know what I feel is a thing too. I think with Baba Sagara, I was the most pleased about that out of all of them, to be honest. Oh, how'd that go? Because you saw more, oh. you saw many more games than I did. Uh, as yeah. of count of you were, 
a commentator. So uh, I'm going to actually let you take over this part. Tell us about okay. some of your, like, uh, the most interesting games that you commentated on. And uh, tell us a little bit about the experience, because not many of our viewers have much insight on what it takes or what it's like to be a Vanguard commentator. Uh, I mean, to be a commentator in general, it just takes a whole lot of understanding what card values are, like how they should be working in, in different matchups and what you can expect and talk about the the interactions. You're more or less the, the gateway and the eyes to the viewers for them to understand the game that they just probably never ever played before and try to break down and condense everything so they can understand it more. Uh, it reminds me of uh, the saying, try to explain it to an alien. And I believe that that's a big portion of being a commentator is you have to be able mm -hmm. to explain it to somebody who the whole concept of what you are commentating is alien to them. Exactly. No? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So during my weekend of doing commentary with the awesome cast of uh, Different Fight, uh, Chris, <laughs> Different Fight Chris, uh, Ben Zestral, uh, it, and also with an awesome, awesome producer of... Uh, Cake Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy Cake. Um, Jimmy Cake. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah. He is <laughs> his handle is like cake and it's <laughs> called Jimmy, so it's always it's always a, a hoot to uh to work with him. Um it's awesome working with him the whole time. The whole experience is always, always great. And especially if you do have co commentators that you can work off of, you know, you can give your vibe. Because I usually do play by play sort of things. I try to make the, the situation as hype as possible. Um, Chris also does some play to play, but he also does analysis as well. And you have Ben who's full on analysis, but who can get energetic when he needs to to create some hype when the, when a situation goes down. So when over triggers get flipped, you know the first person who's going to be yelling. But then you also know what probability was of them hitting over trigger was going to be sort of thing, which is always great. Oh yeah, especially if you do the math on the spot. This is a mm -hmm. big flex on the whole board. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to say the least, my most memorable moment from uh, BRO would have to be the round one of the EU, uh, Zorgnolia, where we saw Zorgnolia be paired up against, I think it was a, a established deck, I think it was like Nirvana or something, or... Uh, not Baron Magnus, but it was another a, a, archetype, another deck, which was also still pretty good, too, that they played against. And it did circles around it. Um, really consistent lineup, looked pretty strong, uh, and finished off the, the game on, like, two or three damage or something okay. against their opponent. So it was so just really clean. Was this a Zorga ride line into Magnolia or a Zorga exactly. deck? Yep. Okay. It was a Zorga into... Uh, sorry, a, uh, yeah, Zorgar line into a Magnolia package, and basically using one spiritual condensation and having uh, three to four free units, basically, on a board, just off of one order, or one or two cards out of hand. So they always had a fat hand of, like, six or seven cards every turn. Oh, that's it pretty was crazy. Good. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the Meteor matchups, the Gravidia matchups, were always, like, always a treat. Because everything was just speculation between our analysts, uh, us being as hypecasters, and just being like, oh my god, he's going to go for two. And when he go for five, it's just like, oh my god, they're, he went for five! They're going, yeah. There's this, only one rear guard. This isn't even set four, and they're doing five on this man. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm looking forward to 
set for Gravidia matchups because the hype behind every single casted match for them was just like off the charts of, oh my God, are they going to do it? Uh, I was watching the, uh, I believe it was the North American final right before the absolute finals for Barrow Magnus versus Bruce. And it was like Gravidia versus Barrow Magnus. And what ended up deciding it wasn't the disconnect. Now, uh, homeboy, uh, it was Derek, right? Yeah, Derek WCC Derek or? Okay. Yeah. He's just Derek Dow is his name. Oh, okay. It was different Derek. Okay. So Derek Dow was playing uh, Gravity, of course. Uh, I guess the Barrow Magnus player. However, they were having connection issues. And yep. uh, they got DQ'd for the third one, so we won't know if they were able to win. But statistically, from what we knew, they didn't have a shot at guarding against Barrow Magnus <laughs> for that last game. So, I mean, yeah. I'd rather take the... I don't know. Would you rather take the DQ or would you rather take the L? I mean, you're losing either way. Taking the DQ means that there is... With some tournaments, if for all you awesome people at home, when you get disqualified from tournaments, there's also a chance of you not being able to claim any prizes. So usually taking loss over the DQ, you're basically... You're still losing with the DQ, you know? But you just take the loss. You just take take your prize, which is better than nothing. Very true. Were, was there a prize for top four? Like, what were... Uh, if, if there were any other prizes than the promo, were there or are there any other prizes for Vanguard and competitive? Because I feel uh, like it's generally just the promo. It's usually the promo, but they tried to spice this one up a little bit. Uh, the last couple of um, editions of BSFO, so Bushiroad Springfest Online, uh, BRO, the Bushiroad Rumble Online, they have added a one display and usually a certificate or just a certificate plus well, the promo card. One display box or display case? One display. One display box. Damn. Man. I don't know what's worth fighting for competitive Vanguard if prizes ain't like, wake me up when we have good prizes. <laughs> I know. But it's technically more for Vanguard the, the Zero has better. I mean, what is honor if you're poor? <laughs> like, imagine you're at. Honor, imagine guess, you yeah. are at a comic-con and you are on a panel of champion winners from different games and you got an mtg player and they're like yeah and i started like my whole shop off of just my mtg winnings and then you get to the Yu-Gi-Oh player and they're like yeah i started my pawn shop off of all of my winnings and then you get to the fucking force of will player and they're like it's hard to find tournaments but i can at least pay my rent with my winnings and you get to the card fight vanguard player and they're like I have a hot stamped blaster blade. <laughs> I just that's that's always been my complaint with competitive Vanguard and why it's so easy for me to just be like, eh. eh. I think it's because those games you mentioned have a collector's market. We kinda have one, it, but it's 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 super young in comparison to the other games. The well, other games it's great that mm-hmm. you brought that up because I'm going to use that to segue into our vibe section where I was going to bring Ooh. up. Have you noticed that a lot of set one SPs have begun selling for pretty high prices? Yeah, we are starting to become. I've actually gotten into contact with 
some people uh, either via the streams or just talking to them casually on Discord, like, hey, yeah, I just started collecting my uh, BTO5 stuff from like, you know, almost seven or six years ago. Yeah, these SPs are kind of hard to come by. They're like 40 to 30 a piece. I'm like, whoa. Yep. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy out here, man. I love it. I love yeah. the fact that we might get to a point if you win a prize card, you can sell it off to like 350 and that'd be really good. Okay, but when was the last time a prize card sold at all? Because I usually see them priced very high and then never moving. They're just kind of there, sitting, taking up space. I'll be very honest with you. The only prize cards that I know from recent memory that's ever gotten sold are the um, World's Promos, I think, from 2019 that the premium premium championship ones the ones that you got the strides with them those strides did get pushed they get did there was like a lot of buyers there buying them for like 350 250 a piece there was a market for that small moment there or outside of that moment. not really i'm taking a moment to look it up real quick on ccg yeah. player cuz ccg player has and i feel one of the things that has been pushing mm-hmm. some of these promo cards better They've actually mm-hmm. created um, slots in their search yeah. for it. And also for things like the free experience deck, um, the weird promos that it's like, damn, that was a promo? Oh, yeah, the vanilla Blaster Blades and stuff, the ones with the the promotional stuff or, like, watch the anime carpet Vanguard. Yeah. Those things. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And like, even... Those are very hard to come by. And they even have one just for Bushiroad event cards. So I'm going to go ahead and just pull up a couple of uh, Bushiroad event cards from the, the major tournaments. And we're, I'm going to check mm-hmm. and see if any of these have sold. So right now I have open uh, King of Mass, Danitarian, Holy Great Sage of Black Shadows, Isabel. Would you suggest another one that would be worth checking the price on? Um, Harmonix Messiah. That was a world's promo, I think, 2017 or 2018. Harmonix Messiah. They don't have it listed here. They don't. Uh, oh, wait, no, no, actually, I'm, I'm dumb. I looked in the uh, wrong spot. They're there. Okay, so, uh, let's do... Oh, wait, the 2019 version? I thought so. It's the 13k base with the... Yeah, 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 okay. Um, yeah, no, the tournament was It has no current listings. None? None whatsoever. And there's been no listings to gather data on either. So everybody or anyone who has that have decided that they're just going to sit on it. Uh, King of Mass, Denitarian, that has also no listings whatsoever. So, again, people are sitting on that. Mm Mm-hmm. And Holy Great Sage of Black Shadows Isabel was the 2019 Mm V-Series World Final promo. That Mm -hmm. one is listed for $1,000 by It's Just Zach. Well, Zach, I hope it sells. (laughs) Hey, if you you are interested in buying this card, let me let you know. It's only 99 cents shipping. Hey, easy. Yeah, that's a pretty good deal. No, nine cents shipping. And I checked the I checked their store. They do sell stuff. I mean, 
So, I mean, they're a card fighter and they play. So, I mean, I, I don't... I gotta see more value increase on classic cards and for them to sell for me to be like, oh boy, a one-of mm -hmm. promo. Holy crap, the most expensive one listed on here by this guy. This guy with the cajones? Quaking Heavenly Dragon, Astroius Dragon. They are bold. $10,000. That, okay. They That's bold. That's that is... Bold. <laughs> Picante. Yeah. Impact bold. Because uh, usually, um, I, I think it's because the, the the market is just very new right now with collectors and stuff. No. It's just only in recent like years since the start of the pandemic. People oh. just recently are starting to get disposable income. So it's just sort of only now starting to take off. And before that, like, who the hell would ever sell their promos sort of thing? But nowadays, people are like, well, you know, I kind of want to buy some promos. You know, I got some money lying around. True. But I would disagree when I say, like, this is a new market. This mm -hmm. Vanguard's been around. Like, Vanguard has been known of for its market since it really came out. One of the first, uh, one of the first non... Uh, well, anyways, Channel Fireball uh, was one of the first to be like, oh, yo, Cardfight Vanguard has some value in it. And then a lot of the Yu-Gi-Oh! well so showed up. And this was like one of the worst times of Cardfight Vanguard where 1PG was like $20. Oh, yeah, I remember that time, yeah. Yeah, so that like... crazy. If it wasn't for that era of Cardfight Vanguard... When you go to TCG Player, you wouldn't see it in the top five. So that's no, why. No, of course. That's why. I, that's the only reason why I disagree with the whole like new thing of the market. I just don't think there's a a whale enough market to want it. You know, because some of these cards are just kind of like they're good in their format, but outside of that, it's definitely just I'm a whale. Yeah. 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 You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. I think that's also part of it, too, as well. Because it's like when you win the prize card, you're kind of like, well, this is... But the thing is, like, okay, we're also taking the perspective of Yu-Gi-Oh, too. I think it's also due to the fact they're also... They've had longer. Because if we take a look at, like, Dark Necrofear and some of the other Yu-Gi-Oh cards that have come out, like, as prize cards and stuff, or, like, YCSs and World Tournaments, you barely see anybody ever use any of those cards in any of their deck in me recent me memory i think the only like price cards that have ever really been used was uh i think ultimaya's open was a price cards once and then one of the light swarm succeeds that came out was played from a four format and like uh one of the utopias so like three price cards in my recent memory mm. well so, like, i got i get you but i i don't know I just hope for, like, them to up the prizes. Like, I don't need cold, hard cash, but... Man, throw me a case. <laughs> like, if, if it was, like, the, the biggest free case tournament, mm -hmm. I'd say that that's a pretty damn good tournament, you know? Because you can always turn over, you can always flip the case. Yeah, or at least the case gives you a little bit more of a guarantee on pulling something of value. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So like, 
Yeah. <laughs> you, like, does Konami or, like, do tournaments in Japan not pay out money? Is that, like, a Japanese culture thing? It's considered gambling. You know that, right? Yeah, I know. That's why Konami gives cash prizes. <laughs> but because uh, it's... Oh, my God. I don't even know if we can actually say it in this podcast here. Uh, but they deal with very shady people, so gambling in general for there is not looked so uh, difficult. <laughs> so the cultural difference for us is is they have like a group of people who control a lot of the wealth in a lot of different countries, and some of those people also have control over a couple of the card games that we also play. And so those people say, hey, why not money? So then we can also add our money so we can give that out as prizes. You, you feel what I'm putting down? I feel what you're putting down. We're talking okay. about embezzling. Mm-hmm. And also a group of people who may or may not take your life if you snitch. I don't know. After that Xi'an story arc, it made me super convinced that one of the writers on the show Cardfight Vanguard really, really loves, like, organized crime. And that is also what the possibility is as to why prize tournaments are highly likely to be organized in tripping card games because of that racket. Hey, it's a good way. Mm -hmm. Good way. But we're not lawyers, and uh, we're also not cops, and uh, this is uh, also not yeah. advice, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're just putting it in the air. It's in the ether. We're just you letting know, you not... know that these things exist. Yeah. Exactly. But I, I like them to exist for, like, card fight <laughs> in America. I don't know, like, okay, so what would be, let's, without paying into uh-huh. a tournament what would yes. be prizes that would be more appealing i have a few very... uh, what would it be give, okay go ahead go for it give me a, a 500 dollars gift card to the bushy road store mm. yeah I'd, I'd I'd love a gift card for that for a prize turn for a tournament prize like that would be I would be like yo that is that's worth it I would have a good mm-hmm. time in the tournament and if I won I could get a lot of Bushy Road swag which doesn't just limit me to Card Fight Vanguard and because they also sell product through the store I could just give them their money back for more cards or be able to use that gift card to buy a case from the store. It's, it's the equivalent of, like, shop credit. Like, mm-hmm. all players who play the game or play trading card games in tournaments are familiar with store credit. So, I mean, why can't Road just give us store credit? Because be... you could use it as a voucher to turn into your local distributor and then have the distributor get in contact with Road to ship it to you. Yo, that would be also be really, really bomb. Like I, I like to see like prizes that match with with us returning to in person tournaments. I like to see prizes that match because I and I won't I won't knock what's been what was happening all the way up to Car- Chara Expo 
Um, which was, I think it was like 2019 was the last, very, very last Bushiroad tournament that was in person. And at that point, they were giving us dice, uh, multiple promo cards, a playmat, the opportunity to get multiple playmats if you were also going to sign up for Weishwartz. All in all, the swag that you get for free, I I wouldn't want to see that sacrifice. Like, the amount that they give us now for free, I wouldn't want to see that sacrifice for, like, a tournament prize. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, like, I do... I, one of the greatest things about the tournaments that Bouchereau throws are that they're free. And the second best thing about it is the swag that they give. The promos usually are never impactful, but the fact that you do get sometimes a deck box and also a playmat. In other games, Digimon to compare, Bandai has you pay a flat 25 for that. You basically bought the supplies. Yeah. So I, I won't I won't discount or ignore the fact that Bushiro does pump out mad promotional stuff that they hand out for free. And if you're yep. and if you're good about roaming tables to people who don't under who underestimate the power of like free playmats, you could leave there with a lot of free playmats and have a wall of playmats like me. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be like, oh, I don't really like this unit. Yeah, you can have it. I'm like, oh. Oh, really? Why, thank you. Nice. <laughs> I'd say, like, the lanyards are pretty good. Um, And so, yeah, or another thing that I'd suggest, like, with the Bushiroad events, if we weren't going to get, like, bigger prizes, I'd like them to all be like Kara Expo. Chara Expo. Chara or Kara? Good question. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna, I'm gonna keep saying Chara, Chara Expo. Uh, anyways, I'd like to be like that because it was basically just a mix of an anime convention and then, but like heavily Bushi Road influence. So it was all of their products and properties from their mobile games. Uh, they had Rosilia there. They had uh, who else did they have there performing? They had two different concerts on the two different days. And then also because Bushiroad owns a wrestling league, they had wrestlers there. And they had multiple wrestling events that were happening. And they also had a host club cafe. That was awesome. For $25 to get into that, that was a bomb. I like, that's gonna, that made Chara Expo the main tournament that I'll go to. Just because of all the extra things that are happening at the same time. If they could do something like that on a smaller scale with their trading card games, that would be fun. I'd like that. That'd be a nice thing. Oh. I'd be down for that too. What about you? What kind of prizes are you looking? Money. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm a very, I'm a very simple man. Give me money. Money. Give me mm-hmm. money. All right. Well, <laughs> let's roll. No, I mean, on. of course. Like, if if I'm gonna be like super realistic here and be thinking, okay, if, if not money, I guess uh, character side cards. Oh, um, maybe uh, a photo of with maybe the voice actor or something. Oh. The voice actor send like a message with your your name in it. You could choose a language, or you could choose the actor to do it for you. 
Um, you could choose, let me see here. Uh, you can choose to have your likeness be drawn into one of the episodes of future card fight Ooh, stuff. That would, yo, that would make me be the biggest spike ever. I'd be like, I have to be it. I must be the first <laughs> black character in card fight Vanguard. Jaime doesn't exactly. count. He just has a tan. <laughs> He's Latino. That's as far as they can go. Mocha. Mocha goodness, but not not exactly there. Not the not, chocolate. Not fully there. Uh, let's see. What other stuff? Like, without money. Um, so that, that, that. Your character, your face, your likeness. Um, what other stuff? Like, maybe even take it a step further. Have you voiced, like, one line, maybe? Or say, you know, stand-up Vanguard sort of thing? Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, have you as, like, a foreigner appearing in one of the episodes sort of thing? Stand-up um, Vanguard! Exactly. <laughs> like America! Yeehaw! Oh, man. <laughs> I would totally be, like, make my character wear a cowboy hat and have, like, a huge fetishization of cowboy culture. And they'll be like, you just guessed what we wanted to do already for you. And I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because Americans are all cowboys, yes. We're all yes. cowboys. I'm going to be the cowboy. The yeehaw card fighter. <laughs> <laughs> the yee fight. Let's go. Um, like, what else, man? It was on the tip of my tongue. It's gone. Uh, Evaporated. Probably. It had something to do with... I guess I want a card fight Kidani. Oh. <laughs> I wanna fold him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a <laughs> You're like, I want violence. Exactly. Exactly. You gotta play against them. Yeah. I should give us those things. I think a lot of these things are pretty reasonable. And I mean, like, they might have some of this stuff already planned and we don't know. We might have just, like, predicted a bunch of things. We've, we've done that a couple of times before. So, I'll true, throw, in, true. throw an earmark in that and roll into mm -hmm. uh, vibe territory. It's, the, it's kind of the topic of the day. We're going to talk about vibes itself. The vibes you give in a community. And uh, to segue into vibes, we're going to talk about Vanguardians, a Facebook group oh. notorious for its uh, hot takes and uh, discourse. Discourse and like there was there was Twitter like buzzed the previous week, but that mm. that's nothing compared to the dumpster fire that happens in Vanguardians on the regular. It's just, uh, I wouldn't say it's toxic, but if it's your first entry into like a community of Vanguard players, it's like going to a shop where no one showers and where everybody talks with an outside voice for the smallest things. Over the past weekend, someone was like, let me, let me take a VR Luard and set it on fire because I hate shadow paladins. Mm -hmm. Triggered people because it's 
there's the question of why. Why burn a card? You could just sell it. Yu-Gi-Oh has done worse sometimes to cards. There's somebody oh. who did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. There's, yeah. like, it's just, like, hard Yu-Gi-Oh vibes. And, like, not, like, good Yu-Gi-Oh vibes, but, like, the reasons that people are, like, I only take my deck box and my play mat that I don't care about too much to Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments. Why is that? Because mm-hmm. it won't be with you if you put your backpack down for one second. Mm-hmm. And it's not like a stereotype. It's just a fact. <laughs> you want your stuff stolen? Yep. Go to a Yu-Gi-Oh event and sit it down for a second. They'll leave you your backpack. But that's it. Yep. And Vanguardians, if they feel like it. Yeah, if they feel like it. Vanguardians has like this back alley in New York next to a subway station that's never really open and always smells like rat urine. Oh, God. <laughs> it's kind of just the level of content that comes out of there, man. Like, or Amsterdam. Where if you got Amsterdam? I guess that's that type of vibe, too. What? Hmm? What was uh-huh. that? What? Huh? I guess. I just... <laughs> so, like, one the first thing that vibe checked me out of Vanguardians, previous stuff, which that doesn't bother me anymore. They were all kids. But it's now, like, if you want to join the group... You have to follow the group's admin on YouTube. Like you what? Have su- yeah, you, you have, have to subscribe to. You have to subscribe, and then share that you subscribed in the questionnaire to be accepted into the group. That's tacky. Mm-hmm. Let's just find that. That, that is. You know, modern problems need modern solutions sort of thing, I guess. Yeah, but that's tacky. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit messy, I ain't gonna lie to you. But... <laughs> Those are tacky vibes. I don't... My biggest worry for North American card fight Vanguard is that it gets to the point where... We're like a Yu-Gi-Oh-esque community. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that. Like, we don't have to be subjective to be obnoxious, loud, smelly, poor takes, violence. And I kind of see it every now and then. I saw it like eight years ago in like the second year of Vanguard when there was a bunch of Yu-Gi-Oh players in here there's this one guy who was like 26 27 and I'm like 21 so I mean but 21 to 26 are two different things (laughs) like Mm -hmm. two very different things yeah 21 is basically retiring from 18 uh... yeah like Mm -hmm. you're like navigating adulthood but 26 is like, you have retired from 21. Like, you are, mm-hmm. you have experienced enough things that you know, I should not argue with children. And this 26-year-old man who always played on meta would argue with children 
on every single thing. And I couldn't believe it until I learned he was an ex-Yu-Gi-Oh player who couldn't go to certain shops because he did that stuff. And whenever I see those traits pop up in my local shop, I try to curb them as much as possible because bad vibes drive people away from communities faster than any, like, bad cards. Like, the game can be hot fire, but if you got, like, bad vibes in your local community, nobody knew was going to join, and then everybody just gets old and bored of the game. Sometimes. And, uh... Then the game kind of loses popularity locally. Is this like much right. of an issue that you see over in Europe? Um, there was this one guy who did who did kind of do that, um, for Magic at least, where he, so he was a Magic player. We used to play Mono Black as all those kind of people who usually do. I don't know. I guess it's a stereotype. But he was like a mono black player, so who played a whole lot of EDH, a whole lot of legacy old type formats, and just used to play a bunch of broken cards, but used to get pissed off when people used to counter his spells. That would just end the game, because that's how his mentality was about it. You can't play broken cards, let me play the broken cards, or else I'll be mad. And so there was this kid who was like, I think 13 or 14 at the time. Um, we'll call him Ezel, because his hair was blonde like Ezel. <laughs> and <laughs> Ezel. Ezel told uh let's use uh Reiji. That's yeah, let's use Reiji. Told Reiji, hey Reiji, uh you wanna play uh, also in a match in a game? Because he had like a modern deck that Ezel wanted to play. And so Reiji said yeah. And they played like a couple of games together and the first thing that he played was an island and Reiji was like, Okay, alright. A little pissed off already. So I'm his attitude every time he played a card. He was telling Ezel to kind of hurry up and take his turn. You only gonna counter my stuff anyways. You unskilled little crap, little player, whatever. Until uh, he played a Delver of Secrets. So for you awesome, awesome people at home, what Ezel was playing is not a conventional uh, control deck that you would see in other card games. It was a tempo-oriented deck that would trade resources for whatever your opponent's going to do while also bashing your opponent's face in with a 3-2 creature and a max HP total of the magic is 20... Well, the current... The, the, the standing starting HP of magic is 20 HP and uh, Reiji was playing a black deck which oftentimes you have to offer your HP up to play the game. And he got completely mollywopped by Ezel. And by the end of the match, the Ezel took out his hand and said GG. And you know what Reiji did? He took a giant dice. One of those 20 random-sided uh, die. He took it. He took one of those, and he just chucked it at Ezel. If Ezel didn't have the reflex of a gazelle, he'd have been a whole lot of trouble. Whoa. <laughs> and he was banned from the store thereafter. Yeah. And he was also banned from every subsequent store thereafter. And he basically was forced out of playing Magic. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, wow. we we, <laughs> we don't play this... when, when you do that type of stuff. You got one chance, man. You're done if you F it up. He was already kind of a whiny person anyway. And perhaps uh, trying to... Perhaps every game shop has that person because that's the exact same story that happened to the 26 year old guy. Like, it was like when he, like, two years later, no, 
No, it was three years later. So three years later, he's like 29 now. And ironically, there's also that one kid. Uh, everyone knows that one edgy kid. Mm-hmm. That kid that their parents <coughs> lets them say fuck, curse, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah, and do yeah. whatever they want. Yeah, and they so call their mom Martha. Yep. Yeah. 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 So then they yeah. end up going to like the shop, and they're edgy. But then they're also there with adults, and the adults are like, "I am unbothered by your edginess." Well, <laughs> 29-year-old was bothered by his edginess because he had to be more superior than this child who was now a young adult. He's 16, so he could catch hands. And a lot of the times, this kid did things that should have caught him hands, but it was a bubble that was going to burst one day between the two. And one day, it came between a limit break tournament. Homie was oh, mad wow. that his Dauntless Drive Dragon play was like upsurped from him because the kid would not give him the fucking fourth damage. Kid is sitting on five damage. Five damage. Attacks all of his rear guards past his turn. Denies him his Dauntless Drive Dragon turn. He turns around, flips the table, and starts throwing stuff at the kid. And everybody's just like, what? Are you kidding? This is happening right now? So they, they, no one calls the cops, surprisingly. When the guy gets like a hard ban from the store and the kid gets like a hard suspension from the store as well, too. Yeah. It was crazy times like crazy vibes can like like i said started all this out as crazy vibes can really take away a lot from your community as a whole so uh have good vibes mm -hmm. have good vibes and uh go to cardfightvanguard.com <laughs> <laughs> and go and check out their deck lists and on their main website you can insert your decks that you play locally, and you'll get a really cool thing called a deck log code. What should you do with that deck log code? Go to cardfightmeta.com, of course, and insert that thing. Tell us all about that deck. Give us that energy. Give us that information. We need it. Feed the machine at cardfightmeta.com, where you can submit all of your deck lists for D-Series, V-Premium, and Premium format. Launching with original articles in February 2022. So wait, so you mean that I could go to cardfightmeta.com and do anything and submit anything? Any deck list from any of the three formats? Just about any deck list! With the possibility of Extreme Fight deck list coming soon as well too! So I could also probably submit my dual nation deck list, maybe? Yeah, when it's supported in set six. <laughs> That's a, you know. I actually, thanks for bringing that up. I didn't, I didn't remember that I need to update that for sets five. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Mm. Add that to the board. Anywho, enough with that ad break from our sponsor, CardFightMeta.com. <laughs> it's time we get into Timmy time. Timmy time, Timmy time. A new regular part of our stream. 
part of our podcast where we timmy it up about some of our favorite reveals that uh, we want to have fun with, regardless if they're good or bad. Anything is free range here. Premium, V Premium, and D Standard Format. Let's start out with JJ. Oh. What's got your uh, Timmy Bone going hard? I think it actually has to be uh, the Jewel Knight support that we recently just got. And I'm oh. thinking, how can I break this archetype as much as I possibly can? So we have the premium support, right? And you can run all the Sword Me stuff in it. So you just Sword Me, get all the good grade ones like Eunice and the flash shield <laughs> and you just call all of those in your multi-attacks plus with crystal luster you have upwards to about six to seven attacks in one turn and all your rear guards are hitting more than 30k power yes that makes us moist timmy timmy soggy <laughs> yes <laughs> yo <laughs> soup just dropped in his bib. Timmy soup. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd say that mine is Demon World Marquis Saman. Because Demon... Uh, fun fact. Fun, fun fact. The very first card fight Vanguard tournament I had ever gone to in Atlanta. The very first one that ever happened. Uh, I don't, not of the series, but the very first like tournament series that they ever did in North America. Demon World Marquise was the deck that I played. I was like, I'm a Timmy, because this game is brand new, and this deck is really good, because I just get power. So I took Demon World Marquise there, and I lost very fast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, funny enough, it could be it could be we might have been playing the same deck across the ocean, because uh, after I got into Vanguard and started playing a bunch of different archetypes, the one other archetype that I was known a lot for for playing for almost a year or so was Dark Irregulars, and Demon Marquis was not my most favorite one. But one thing I did like is using a lot of his engine to build a. Um, uh, it was not Mask of Darkness. It was it was something else. It was a limit break unit that would could get a get a bunch of power and stuff, get a crit, and you play oh, yeah, that like Wind Ripper. Yeah, it did. It did. But it like <laughs> yeah. all you did is just to try to get six in soul and that's it. You just used the the Amon rear guards to hit for like twenty one K column all columns. Nice. Yeah, I played I played regular Amon. Um mm-hmm. this was also when Doctor K not Dr. O, Dr. K, mm-hmm. uh, he would go to the tournaments, and I got him to actually sign my copy of Demon World Marquis of Mon. So I had a signed Dr. K of Demon World Marquis of Mon. But then, I traded that card to this guy who was like the local Don of like card fight vanguard like he his team was the one that was buying like cases and everything and so they were the ones that like were consistently winning tournaments because they had like all their perfect cards they had multiple ott decks to just draw cards and 
all that jazz. So I'm like, well, let me pick up some cards off of you. This is what I got to trade. And uh, he saw the signed card, and he's like, I'll take that. And I traded it to him. And, uh, yeah. Later on, it turned out that he was stealing boxes and stealing high-rarity cards from the shop when they were doing their pack openings, sliding them into his binder, trading them out back to the shop for cash, buying cases from the shop with that cash, and then repeating the method. So then the card ended up in the Orlando Police Department uh, has it in their evidence locker. <laughs> can't you can't you get it back? Um, I don't think so because if it is still in the locker after all these years, um, I, I am pretty sure that I wouldn't have claim to it as I do not own it and I didn't own it when I gave it to him. Like I, I did, he got it in a trade. I got hot cards, but he got it in a fair enough trade. And there's also the chance that the game shop claimed it so the game shop could have it. So if we ever see Cool Stuff Games post a signed Dr. K Amon, I'm going to be like, yo, that was mine. (laughs) (laughs) I guess what you could do is like have them uh, try to buy buy ownership from him and then go to the police station with a written document that you're buying ownership from them. Uh, I guess, but then I'd have to go down to Orlando, and then I'd have to talk to the police, and then I'd have to also deal with something that's, well, almost a decade old. <laughs> True. True. Yeah. But uh, this has my Timmy Bone a-pumping because I, it's really good. It's also essentially just Seraph Snow in V format. So now I have to find some kind of way to get all of the dark irregular cards to put around this. Because I'm going to make a dark irregular deck now. Just so I can play it on. I like it a lot. I think it's really good. Its skill is act, what's return, put a rear guard in one card from your hand, and one card from your drop into soul. Your opponent chooses two cards each from their rear guards, hand, drop. And put them into their soul. If your opponent did not put six cards into their soul, this unit gets drive plus one until end of turn. And then continuous during your turn for every six cards in your soul, this unit gets power plus 5,000. If this unit is on Vanguard Circle, plus 10,000 instead of 5,000. I'm looking forward to use this actually only in premium format, not V premium. Because then I'll have access to all of the rares in the commons from the Amon archetype, which will let me just super soul charge. And I'll also have access to literally all of Dark Zone, Dark State's soul charge abilities too. Pandemonium tactics, soul charge (laughs) 4. So I'm I'm looking forward to this. Uh, It's got me pretty, pretty excited. Uh, but were there any other notable reveals outside of Timmy time? I think the most notable reveal would have to also be the Great Emperor Dudley Emperor Reverse. I think by far for me that's also high up there. Okay. 
Uh, that's the one that gets extra drive for like attack attacking with its rear guards first, opening up a circle, locking back row. How many drive can it mm-hmm. get? Have we? Has anyone done the math on it yet? Nobody's done the math on it yet. Oh, but I, I would, I would suspect that if there's more cards like the Grade One that they got, Machine Gun Gloria. I, I don't know exactly if there's much cards because I know the Dudley Grade Three from the previous collection does something. Oh, so there's synergy there already. That's good. Yeah, yeah, there's synergy there. Yeah, that's very good. Well, I picked up a Dragonic Overlord deck for D series. Because they didn't have any Phantom Blaster Overlord, or else I would have gotten oh. that one too. But oh. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna run with the Dragonic Overlord at the end. I'm gonna live the life that I couldn't live with Set Five originally in this Set Five because I was too poor then. But now I got disposable oh. income. Oh. I'm gonna play the end. <laughs> I hope it's good. I, I hope it's so, like, man. I hope it's actually like busted. Oh, that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I want it. I want it. I want all three of those to be so games changing that the dual clans have to take three sets before they're like popping off. Because they deserve it. Like they had to go like five sets before they got support again. Four sets. No, three sets. Three sets before they got support again. They're basically Lyrical Monastery at this point. <laughs> I don't think we should be complaining about them getting support in set five, and set five also being about them. Because, like, what else was set five going to be about? They had to do something More between the stuff. enemy. No, they had to do More stuff between stuff. the enemy. You can't just you Hexa Orb stuff. And honestly... Hexa Orb doesn't need anything else that couldn't be a generic card. It needs more stuff. What do you mean? Yeah, but it it will naturally get stuff that... Like, it's in the situation of, like, Barrow Magnus. What is there, other than just a card that says Soul Charge 5 at this point, that Barrow Magnus really needs... That can't be solved by just saying, well, you could actually just run some of the Greedon support cards in your Barrow Magnus deck. And that's that's the direction that I kind of see Hexor. That's kind of the direction I see all of the decks now that set four is done. Like the only the only decks after set four of the main clans, not including the special sets, not including uh, lyrical not including anything else, just the main five nations. Um, The only things leading into set five that don't feel like they've truly reached set four of power yet are Eugene, um, Zorga, unfortunately. Uh, Dragonic Overlord, Phantom Blaster Overlord, um, and that's it. Only really four. Oh, okay, actually, uh, it's hard for me to say that Greedon in set four doesn't have what it needs to really function 
without acknowledging the fact that Greedon can easily become an issue the moment that they have the ability to call units out during the battle phase. Mm-hmm. That's when Greedon will have reached like set four. But like if they had did that in set four, I'm a firm believer we would be in a Greedon meta. Oh. Yeah. Cause I mean, think about it. Like Greedon smacks for uh smacks for one rear guard attack for a large number. Mm-hmm. Then the Greedon attacks for a large number. If that Greedon had the ability similar to Barrow Magnus by uh through through use of a rear guard to be able to call out a unit and then purple trapezes out another column of units, Greedon quickly becomes an issue. Yeah. So uh, Greedon kinda, but I do feel that Greedon is only going to get better as the game goes further on. Like it's, it's in the same realm of Zorga. Okay, you know what? Greedon's on the list. So we got Greedon, we got Zorga, <laughs> we got Phantom Blaster Overlord, uh, we have uh, Orphus, uh, and then we also have uh, Dragonic Overlord. Ironic enough, all of those are one out of each of the five different nations. So... Oh, wait, also Eugene. So we also have Eugene. Eugene didn't really hit the mark out of this set because they won't give Eugene a card that says whenever a rear guard is retired, gain 5,000 power. If another rear guard is retired, this is a two-card guard. And then if another rear guard is retired, three total rear guards retired, this unit gains a crit. That would be great. And we know that they can do something like that so I'm holding out that Eugene will get something like that. Okay, okay. I can see what you're throwing now, now. But, yeah, so, like, I think set five is important because it will definitely fill in the blanks for Overlord, Dragon, uh, Overlord, Phantom Blaster, also giving Bastion another, uh, not Bastion, but you see what I did there, Keter Sanctuary, yeah. something other than play than Bastion, or Hexa Orb, because, I mean, those are two very different styles from what people who have played Paladin-based nations feel like, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, Bastion doesn't feel like Royals, Golds, or Shadow Paladins whatsoever. It feels very unique to what it is. Um, so, I mean, I think it's going to be pretty good. That's why I picked up Dragonic Overlord, because I do need a reason other than the dual nation cards to go in for set five, and I can get behind Overlord. Um, But after that, we also then get the Festival Collection, which fills in a lot of the blanks for possibly Zorga, Greedon, and Orphus. We don't know if those cards in there will be useful, but there is a chance that they will be, so... I'm going to believe for the more positive thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yo. I think I think what we could probably think about here is that... I... Hmm. Okay, I'm a firm believer that Hexorb is still nowhere near as good compared to the other archetypes. It feels like in the territory of Eugene some of the times. Or most of the times when I've tested it or read like some of the cards. That has a whole bunch of CB issues. Same as Eugene does. Same as a whole lot of different archetypes do. 
uh, Bob Slagada on her release already does twice as much as what Eugene does, adds twice as much pressure than what Eugene does, and draws twice as much cards than Hexorb does. So it's um, I don't I don't know. I'm I'm hoping that the lower tier archetypes like Zorga, like uh, Eugene, like Hexorb, like Greedon, get some useful support than ones that are kind of just enough to keep them relevant for a while or to keep the players a bit happy. All right. Well, with this last minute of the podcast, oh. tell us what Greedon card do you need to see? What Hexa Orb card do you need to see? And what Zorga card do you need to see for them to be valid? Because that's a, that's a, you made a good point. Uh, Burger Burger King Jr. did come out and gave us a lot, a really good deck, out a really good start deck that was able to be strengthened by set two, uh, by set three and set two's card pool, and then get absolutely perfect support like the support that they get in the uh in set four is like well this is really the the biggest that my brain could go anything that comes after this is gonna just be like bro what so tell us greedon hexa orb zorga what card do you need to see for each one? Give us the grade, the power, and the ability. Poor favor. And uh, if you want, tell us what you would make the card look like. Oh, okay. So for Greedon, I think I think what they need above all else is a unit, a grade one or grade two, uh, some desired devil course off of one of the sins i think we don't have vanity yet or if we do i probably must have missed it and it should be a grade one or a grade two that if it goes into soul you can uh soul blast one or discard one the superior call himself if you have a if your vanguard restands that's okay. basically it. that's that so you get an extra extended attack when your Vanguard restands. Okay, okay. So that in your second rounds of triggers can go to the other rear the other rear guard. So you can actually have a three attack main. I dig it. Mm-hmm. You didn't you don't want to give him like a fourth attack lane? Uh I mean you could leave it at fourth if you wanna. Alright. All right. Yeah, I mean, like, if you can... Usually what most Greedon decks usually do nowadays is that in set 3 or 4, they get, like, a grade 1 that goes into soul to call a card from your hand, right? So then you can have, like, in set 5 or 6, that when you restand your Vanguard, so when your Vanguard restands, it can call itself out by soul blasting one or discarding one. So then you actually have a couple of lanes to attack with now on your Persona right turn. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Alright. You can make it a five attack deck or four attack deck potentially. Depends on your resources. Give me that hex orb life. What does hex orb uh, hex- need? Kana charge or soul charge. Generic and not trigger reliant, not condition reliant, just something that can use because like we have Fasado. And Fasado is nice. 
he's awesome. He has pseudo-resist, kind of resist, but it's just, he's a grade 3. Please, for the love of God, not have it be a grade 3. Have it be like a grade 1 or a grade 2 or something. Because the grade 2 and grade 1, the grade 3 and grade 1 that we get from the set is great. Because they give us removal, they give us potential of choosing a grade 2 to restand, and the grade 1 restands a guard. I just want just unconditional con uh, counter charge. That's it. What about win place? Look at the top card, two cards of your deck. You may place them on the top or the bottom. If you place both on the bottom, you get to counter charge and soul charge. If you placed one yeah. on top, one on the bottom, you get to counter charge mm -hmm. or soul charge. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Actually perfect. Yep. Yeah. Or even like make me put a card from my hand to the bottom of the deck to soul charge. I'm, I'm okay with that too. I'm fine with it too as well. That's all right. That helps you get care. triggers back in the deck. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> <laughs> no more. Oh, like you, you'll have that over trigger in your hand, and then you'll put it onto the bottom of your deck, and then you'll play the uh, grade one, and you'll shuffle your deck, and then you're yeah. gonna be like, "I got it in my deck," and I'm gonna say that card is now banned. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is that's fine for me. Uh, and then for who was the last one? Eugene? No, it's Zorga. Actually, I'll I'll do. Uh, I, I I threw out a Eugene one. I'm the Eugene Timmy around here, and I always <laughs> okay. talk about Zorga. So let's see what your another Zorga players uh, card that would put Zorga on the same power level as everyone else in set four. What is that uh -huh. card? Uh, a grade two or a grade three that can call itself from the drop zone. If you alka magic this turn, it needs to be alka magic or else it'll be too busted. Uh, and it has to be um, when your vanguard is attacking. So superior call it to regard circle. Okay, so I'm seeing that when your vanguard attacks, if you alka magic this turn, superior call this to our. Yeah. Would it gain power or anything? Would it have like no, a secondary no. effect? What how what nope. would it base power be? Because I mean like if it ain't gonna come in and be able to hit for bare minimum fifteen, then No, I mean it it's fine. Like you give like say for example you have a headhunter, right? And like you need to commit a bit more cards out of your hand for it. But it gives us the multi-attack and it doesn't make it too broken. So have it without power for now. I could see fifteen be its base if you use the order this turn sure or if you have a cb you make cb one it comes out if you alka magic gets plus 10k being in grade two so it's a 20k attacker or 30k attacker if you're on persona right turn which you most likely will and plus maybe being boosted by a handhunter which is like a uh a 23k booster which hits for 45 or 43 on its own i, I think it's enough <laughs> I think I think it's good enough because you have the Skull Dragon that comes out, hits for like twenty five with crit. You attack with that unboosted. You attack with Van. You get the Grade Two back out, or you attack with another column unboosted, like a Headhunter or something, or like another Grade Three that's garbage or whatever. Right? I, I have one. I have I have an mm -hmm. amendment that I could I want to make to this card. Sure, sure. Why not? Just make it the Mega Colony Grade 3 that 
comes from drop zone if you dealt a damage. So like same card text, except instead of if your opponent had a card placed into their damage zone, it says if you're if you alkal magic this turn, you can call this to R, and then have a secondary ability of Soul Blast One, choose a rear guard, stand it. Both these units get ten thousand power. Uh, I don't think both. I think himself is just better. I know, but like, or let's. I balanced. want both. I want both of them <laughs> to get ten thousand power. Why not? That puts it on par with everybody else. We we're already on par with everybody else. We just needed the multi attack. Yeah, that's a better multi attack. Like, I don't want to get outscaled in the next set, so just give them both ten thousand for the soul blast. Or okay, okay. How about this? Uh huh. No, never mind. Just get Soul Blast for the... Because, I mean, think about it like this. It's still technically no. balanced because what extra soul charge does Zorga have? It'll and have it also creature. messes with the numbers that Zorga decks would be able to run as far as their Alkla Magics are and their cards that they call... Uh, and their uh, normal unit cards. Yeah, you, you have the Grey 2 that we have in set 4. Yeah, but you can't play it on the build. You can't play it on the board at the same time and get it during the battle. You get it at the end of the turn. So you need to like the way I see it is: if it costs a soul bless, this means that you have to run Hendrina and remain and continue to have a soul with either the crit triggers, Hendrina, or using um, the dragon grade two. The dragon grade two, which happens at the end of turn. The Alchemad, the order for that goes into your soul. What I'm getting at is, at no point does Zorga have the ability to just be able to willy nilly soul charge to where they can hypercharge themselves to fuck even three, three soul. So like, if you don't have your Hendrina, you're gonna have to use soul. If you have your dogs on the board, you're gonna have to use soul. If you're gonna have this card, you'd have to use. Yo, soul. red flash. How you doing? Uh, uh yeah, that's correct. Yeah. No, but the thing is, right? You run okay with Skull Dragon. You run the Great Two Orders that allow you to put it into Soul now, right? So you use a Skull Dragon, retire Headhunter plus the Great Three. Headhunt the Great Three comes back. You get your Soul from the Order plus you get a card and you get a counter charge. So Soul is not necessarily the biggest issue the deck has anymore. It's just the multi-attack part as well. We well, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, that's that's the caveat to the card is that it uses soul. Mm. Yeah, it will, it, yeah, sure. It will still throw sure. off your numbers, like, regardless. Because you're going to have mm -hmm. two soul unless you throw a crit down in the beginning of the game. Mm -hmm. And then unless you have the grade two, which I haven't seen anybody run more than, like, two copies of it that goes into the soul. And then the order card is also a question of are you going to run it or not? I don't, I, what I'm saying is, I don't think it's busted, and we should keep it. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you'd say that, and I'm like, nah, it's, I don't think it's all right. I think it's all right as is. But sure, sure, sure. We're gonna we're gonna keep the plus ten. Yeah, we're... let's let lead them plus ten, so you're not really too hung up on uh, having to use grief despair rejection. Yeah, not too hung up on uh, headhunters and yeah, sure. You don't have to run more utility pieces. 
yeah. you don't have yeah. to be hung up on the persona right either because imagine if zorga does get a grade four that doesn't give it persona right then that plan of using the double the grief despair rejection and persona right is kind of out the door and then we just have to develop a zorga card at that point <coughs> well we're done developing cards we're gonna go off and vibe off in the vibing sphere and vibe town with our vibes and vibations Ah, Vibonius. Vibonius, you know, that place. Thanks for hanging out us with us on episode 8 of the Weekly Chomp. Thanks to our sponsor, CardFightMeta.com. Go shop your deck over there. Give them some information. JJ, what's the word of the week? What's the, what's the keyword of the week? The CardFight keyword of the week. I would say the keyword of the week is Oracle. Because Oracle... Rhymes with Urkel, and I like Urkel. Well, you heard it here first. The word of the week is Oracle, because it sounds like Urkel. Mm-hmm. Peace out. Yeah. Bye. Bye.